Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jake Newcastle fan. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at JakeJackman with two Ns. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm a Southampton fan, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Sam E. Cox. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Uh, I figured we'd start off by talking about everything that's happening at the bottom of the table, which is quite a lot at the moment. Uh, weekend started with a very weird one with West Brom's uh, win over Chelsea. I think 5-2 it wound up being, obviously, with the red card against Thiago Silva. Then Newcastle performed well today. Got a draw against Tottenham. Burnley lost to Sam Southampton. Um, Fulham end up losing to Aston Villa in the final minutes of their match. Currently, Brighton leading Manchester United. So a lot of moving down there in, in the bottom third of the table at the moment. Uh, with the title basically already dealt with, save the math, to, to confirm that Manchester City are going to win the title. Do you think that this fight for safety will provide the most excitement and drama in the final stages of the season? Um. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I think the the top, the top four race is probably going to be the most interesting. But um, because I think the problem with the, the relegation battle is it is probably just Fulham and Newcastle that that are, are likely to be in that final spot. I don't think anybody else is going to be. Um, and I don't really think West Brom or Sheffield United are going to going to put a run together. I mean, West Brom did score five goals against Chelsea, which looks really eye catching. But if you looked at the actual, um, I guess game state with with the man being sent off and even, even you know, the expected goals for the whole game, it was uh, West Brom were sort of putting away every chance they got, pretty much. Um, so it was uh, some great finishes from one- them. Yeah, it was quite a one-off game. I wouldn't expect West Brom to go and put on the the type of run they'd need to go on. So yeah, I think we can rule those two out. I think it's just between Newcastle and Fulham. Um, Burnley, people might suggest they might get pulled into it, but I just I just can't see it. I think that it's there's too many points, and I think that they're gonna. They'll either they'll 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 outscore one of Newcastle or Fulham. They could maybe fall behind one of them, but I can't see them falling behind both. So I think it's between those two. Um, and yeah, I, I mean the the last day of the season does look really eye catching from a fixture point of view. I'm sure the television companies and all neutral fans would love it to be a relegation playoff. I just, for me, I think it's going to be done before that before that final game. Um, because if if as a Newcastle, I'm watching watching Steve Bruce at the moment. We're either gonna get a couple of wins or we're just going to continue dropping points if we continue dropping points I think Fulham will move clear of us I, I think that it, it's more of a mentality getting the relegation fight at the moment than it is a um, sort of like on a on a talent perspective I think that you know if after today I think it's been a huge shift on, into Newcastle's favour we obviously got a point we played well we got some positives out of the game whereas Fulham were 1-0 up against the Jack Grealish less Aston Villa and they then conceded three goals, and it was quite a 
I guess that the way it happened, I think, would be quite devastating for them. Uh, and then if we look at the fixtures next week, Newcastle probably got the more winnable game. So if, if the point if the point gap goes up to six or even five at this point, it becomes such a huge mental block that I just I don't think it'll be too much. So I think I think we'll we'll know in the next couple of weeks the way it's headed. I probably put myself at about sixty sixty forty in favour of us staying up at the moment. I think that with Wilson and say Maximum back, we're a different team, but we're also an absolutely toxic toxic club at the moment with a manager that shouldn't still be in a post. We sort of put put out that it was it was a relegation performance against Brighton. It seemed like it should have been Steve Bruce's last match in charge. They opted for something different. And yeah, it, it it's toxic. So even though we got that good performance today, it was still only a point. And it seems like even when we play well at the moment, we're not winning matches, which is a worry. But yeah, I think it it they pretty much put it all on Wilson and Saint Maximan to keep us up. So either in the next couple of weeks they're gonna come back and we're gonna win a couple of matches. Or they're going to come back and the results aren't going to improve, in which case we're probably going to fall fall into the championship. So it, it, I think it's a lot more to do with how Newcastle reacts and how we play with these two players back than it does about Fulham, really. Um, I think Fulham are probably going to pick up, I don't know, maybe seven to ten points, maybe. But I'm not sure if that's going to be enough. There's already a three-point gap and we've got Sheffield United, Burnley and Fulham to play. So I think we just need to make sure we get points in those three matches. And if we do, two wins and a draw, and and I'm sure we'll probably pick up another point or Mm. three along the way as well. I think it'll be enough. But yeah, it's on those three fixtures. And I think that if you'd have asked me before today, I'd have said Fulham would stay up. I think today we've seen enough from Newcastle to suggest that we're going to, that there's still some fighting spirit in the dressing room, which which was lacking at Brighton. And I think that with Wilson coming back, he's such a, a key player for us. I think that we should be okay, and especially the way Fulham sort of threw away their good position. I think if we'd, for me, as the moment Newcastle drop into the relegation zone is probably the moment we go. I don't think we've got the the mentality to push to pull back out of it. So they were winning today, would have fallen into the bottom three if that would have happened. I'd, I'd have been very worried, but the fact they threw that position away. I think it's such a big shift in the dynamic. So, yeah, I, I've sort of long gone the long way around to answering the question. I think it would be great for the neutral if it does go down to that final day. But I think Newcastle either get themselves out of it in the next few weeks or we're going to be below Fulham on that final day anyway and it'll become irrelevant. I think I think that Fulham Newcastle game has has a lot of uh, a lot of similarities potentially with um, with us at Southampton when we had to play Swansea the penultimate game of yeah. the 2017-18 season um, when Mark Hughes came in and we looked dead and buried under Pellegrino and Mark Hughes came in and sort of revitalised us. Those games aren't nice for anyone, um, regardless if fans are there or not. I mean. Their cagey affairs. I know if they're neutral, and like you said, Jake, in terms of the the televi- television companies and the media, they all want that game to be a relegation shootout. Of course they do. But for the fans and even for the neutral, it's not a great watch, and they're they're not they're not nice occasions. I think today, like you said, Jake, I think today probably shapes up the relegation battle a bit more than than, than we've seen in previous weeks. I think the way in which Fulham almost capitulated after going a goal up. It seems to me like the, the patterns of play with Fulham are, you know, when the pressure was off, 
maybe a month or two ago and people were writing them off. I remember Jamie Carragher coming out and, and saying that he, he thought they were gone and it almost allowed them to play over freedom and, and play their style of football and get the results. You know, at the start of the season, there was pressure there to prove they should be in the division. They couldn't get the results. The pressure almost went off a bit. They were picking up the results. They were, they were putting in good performances. And now the pressure is on. Almost people are expecting them now to stay up, you know, in contrast to where Newcastle are in terms of, you know, Bruce, his position, um, and the way in which the club looked from the outside from from, from Newcastle. Um, and, and now... Like you say, that was a full-strength Fulham today uh, against the Villa side, who have sort of stuttered in recent weeks. I know Grealish not being there has been a been a factor in that. And that's a game you thought, right, they go there, they get a result. You know, playing, although seeing Newcastle pick up a, a good point, they knew winning that game would take them out of the relegation zone. And even after taking the lead, that that the way in which they fell away in that game and, and their defensive frailties came back to bite them again really may... May, may set the tone for them. You know, they've almost got to claw their back. They've also got that game extra played. So teams in and around them have that sort of cushion of a game in hand. Um, in terms of the excitement towards the end of the season, I think, I mean, who, who's to say that it won't go to that shootout at the end of the season? But like you said, Jake, I think Newcastle now with Southampton's win, Burnley look okay. I mean, they're not quite the Burnley of old. They're not quite efficient, but you know, Sean Dyche and, and, and his team, they always get the results here and there to, to make sure they'll be safe. Um, and I think the Newcastle and Fulham narrative will, will be the one. And I think now for Fulham, it's about making sure they get to that final game. Uh, Newcastle will be almost buoyed by the performance more than anything. They, they probably feel a little bit hard done by that. They didn't actually get all three points today um, because they had that five minute spell where, I'm not going to say they they switched off, but when you've got the quality of Kane and and the players Spurs does, they have that ability to to have those spells. And we've seen it under Mourinho that they they more often than not playing spells rather than from the 90 minutes, and they got ahead. But to show the character to fight back and get a good point, regardless of of you know maybe they should have warranted more. But in terms of the excitement towards the end of the season, like you said, the Man City will be will be crowned champions. There's no doubt about that. But I think the top four race is really exciting. You saw Chelsea drop points to West Brom, the shock under the red card and, and, and things like that. But still for a side like Chelsea, even with 10 men to see five goals shows their frailties, perhaps um, against And that Spurs. goal difference win could really end up mattering come the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. And I think you look at Liverpool now, they almost, they're getting players back. Those who, were inexperienced at the back are getting that experience whilst on the job, if you like. And and they look really, I know Arsenal really did not turn up yesterday, um, but Liverpool still had the job to do. Um, and they looked very similar, not quite obviously of Liverpool of old, but they looked like they're going to be up for this fight. Spurs, they had the opportunity to, to climb in there today uh, into the top four at Elite Frog Chelsea and they couldn't do it. And I think the one that's interesting for me, although I don't think they'll quite have enough to get in there, I think West Ham will have an eye on that top four. Of course they will. Um, but in terms of the relegation scene, you know, although, you know, the most pessimistic of Saints fans after our disastrous run since the, the victory against Liverpool, you know, we were you know, had one eye over our shoulder, especially after losing to Brighton uh, just before the international break. Um, you know, we've now, in my opinion, got enough points. I'm not sure 36 points will be enough and you can't, you know, rely on that 
points tally really but we're 10 points clear of Fulham now um with seven games to go the game in hand I think we'll I'm sure we'll be safe I'm sure Burnley will be as well um so as I say Fulham's priority now is to make sure it goes to that final game because hopefully fingers crossed with the situation now maybe have fans in for that game with the with the government's roadmap in this country um and it could be a it could be a good spectacle like I said earlier it could be you know History has proven they're not great spectacles. They're cagey games. Um, but like I said, Newcastle will be buoyed by their point today. They've got Burnley up next, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. They'll see that as a winnable game as well. Um, so for me, Fulham's priority, like I said, get to that final game. Make sure it's a relegation shootout so you give yourself that chance. For Newcastle, on the other hand, like Jake alluded to, it could they they could be gone. They could be gone. They could be uh, far away. And it's down to them to make sure that game isn't a relegation shootout. So that's the interesting talking point. Um, Saints win today pulls them out out of any, you know, talking, you know, as Brighton, they look okay. I mean, there's there's no reason why they wouldn't get dragged back in. But, um, you know, the situation is really Fulham and Newcastle. And, you know, Sheffield United, they're down. Uh, West Brom, although, you know, they got that result. They've had results like that in the past. Draws against Liverpool, Manchester United. They've not been able to follow them up. I think they're gone. Um, so, yeah, I think, as I said, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Fulham respond to that today because, you know, there's ways to lose football matches and that today is probably one of the worst ways to do that. Yeah, I think you guys make a lot of good points there and it'll be fascinating to see if it does get settled before that final day. But you you mentioned that Southampton-Swansea match. I remember that. And even as a neutral, I was uncomfortable. So, uh, Jake, for your sake, hopefully it doesn't come down to that. Being on, in the ground was worse, I can, I can tell you that. Kept, oh, were uh, you there? Oof. I was there, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've had that experience in the ground. I think we had six minutes added on and it was, yeah, it wasn't, it was the weirdest atmosphere in the ground during the 90 minutes and obviously that relief but uh yeah for jake's sake i hope he doesn't have to go through that <laughs> agreed um we're kind of talking about the final run and that means we're also pretty close to award season so i just wanted to get your guys thoughts on, on who you think will win the pfa player of the year and pfa young player of the year awards this year yeah i think um i think harry kane is probably uh he's, he's probably been the person i've expected to win it throughout the year and if he finishes well i'm sure i'm sure he'll be He'll be in the conversation. I guess everyone's maybe Jack Grealish, although I think his injury might have um, taken him out of contention for it. Ruben Diaz is the obvious one from Manchester City. I mean, there's got to be a player from the, the title-winning team that is in consideration. It's, it's probably him. He's probably been the one that's had the biggest impact mm. and it's, it's been ever-present throughout. So I think he has to be a contender. Um, maybe say Bruno Fernandes. He's been consistent um, and, and, and been mainly uh, responsible for where Manchester United are comfortably in the top four, which is, I guess, a success compared to, to how they got in last year. So um, they're probably the main four for me for the for the player of the year. I, I'm i not sure there's anybody else that, that jumps out to me. Um, Leicester have had a, a lot of good players in their team. They're obviously in a very good position, but there's nobody there that jumps out to me as a, a PFA player of the year winner. I... <laughs> I think T. Elements has probably been their best player, but I don't think he's he's at that level. Um, I might be missing a couple of obvious players, but they're probably the main four for me. Kane, Grealish, Fernandez, and Diaz, and I'd probably favour Diaz from the from the four. Um, young player, difficult, isn't it? Um, because I, I'm pretty sure like half the league qualifies for it, even though they're not young anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's it 25 is the cutoff, which can I think yeah. we talk about this every year, but that's just very absurd. 
Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> still got Ruben D- if he he's still in that age bracket, I'm sure he is. Um and and you've got <sighs> difficult. I can't think of many many young players that have that have had great seasons. Maybe Foden. I think he's got quite a good narrative behind him. He's obviously had a breakthrough season. Um but yeah, he'd probably be the main one for me. Um I mean like the the likes of Trent, who I guess is still involved in that, that category as well. He, he hasn't had the best year. Um, Greenwood, you might have thought pre-season might have been a, a, a contender to push on, hasn't. Um, yeah, I'm probably missing some really obvious names, but <laughs> um, yeah, I'd probably go for Diaz and Foden, although I think that, that Kane runs uh, runs in very close um, as well. Is there anybody from Chelsea that, that deserves any of these awards probably not kai havertz is apparently currently the fourth best odds for young player of the year just to kind of stress how weird a year this has been wow well that i think i could probably well if he won young player of the year they should should just jack off the award because it's not worth having they should just get rid of it yeah but no i'd probably go foden for that i think that's he's probably the the best one yeah i think i think um Foden for sure for the young player. Usually, you know, in in normal Premier League seasons, there is a few front runners from from the top two, top three teams. Uh, I remember the the mass debate of Van Dijk and uh, De Bruyne that season, and and you know there was a lot of talk around that. This year for me, I'm not sure that's the case. Maybe maybe not yet. Um, but there's no one that really sort of jumps jumps out at you that said right he's gonna get it and he's most certainly gonna get it you know i think for for player of the year i think diaz and kane i think diaz has come in and been the missing piece of perhaps man city's rebuild um you know since company left and they they needed that sort of commanding figure the way i sort of look at center halves is you know obviously you've got your main and and then the secondary um and i think man city were were flooded with secondary center backs they didn't really have that main figure Mm. at the back four and he's come in the as and and provided that um and you also forget how how young he really is i think he's only just turned 24 this season which is mind-boggling really considering how mature he he is in his performances and and how much he leads that back line um so i think i think diaz potentially the front runner at the moment i think kane as well i think if you look at his um his his goals and assists this season is absolutely ridiculous. Um, the numbers he's been putting in, but the problem is with that, and and that shouldn't this shouldn't be taken into account. But it always is. Is is people look at the team they're playing in, and because of what Mourinho's football has provided this season for Spurs, people it's not gone under the radar. Of course it's not, but it's almost because it hasn't mattered in terms of Spurs haven't clinched the top four because of it, and that's nothing to do with Kane or or Son or whoever he's playing with, but. It's to do indicative of, of Mourinho and the way they've been playing, but because of that, people seem to to shy away from looking at the individual performances. So I think Diaz is the front runner, and, and I don't think there could be many arguments if he does get it. Um, in terms of young player of the year, again, it's, it's it's one of those where who's really been the standout? Like you say, if Havertz is four favourite at the moment, then then really shows a lack of not quality. Of course, there's not a lack of quality, but maybe a lack of individualism this season i think foden probably and front runner for it um his performances alone again has, has proven why he's going to be hopefully a top player for, for club and country but again he hasn't due to pep guardiola and the way in which he, he he manages his squad he hasn't really had 
a season long run at it. You know, he's he's been in and outside like most of their 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 players out are, are under Pep. So I think you can look at Rashford as well. I think you, know, you say a lot of players can qualify for it, but again, Rashford would the with the performances on the pitch this season, I know he's had a few injury problems, but again, you know, he's he's done very well for Manchester United. Of course he has a second in the league. They're showing progress. He's progressing along with the team. But Again, it's it's one of those where where I think Foden is stand out, and I think it will be a, a, a Man City double in Diaz and, and Foden. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it's been a while since we've seen defenders win these big awards, but I forgot that Van Dyke did win in 2019. But still, mm. just two defenders since the year 2000, so not very common. But we have obviously seen the the defensive impact that Diaz has had at Manchester City. I think we all thought Imeric Laporte was gonna be like the guy. Um, in that back line, and he had a very good first half season. I think he joined them in January and then obviously dealt with injury issues. But yeah, the, the way he's come in and just kind of like commanded everybody in the back line together to end up being, you know, a catalyst towards this huge turnaround that they had. Because a lot of people probably forget that Manchester City did not have a good start to the year um, before rattling off just an infinite, <laughs> infinite amount of wins in a row. Um, obviously, a little bit biased for me on Harry Kane. If you're leading the league in both goals and assists, you're, you're probably going to be in with a decent shout. Um, Bruno Fernandes currently uh, odds maker's favorite, which is weird. 26 goal contributions. Kane is at 32. Uh, that's not... That close. Uh, obviously, a lot of season left to play yet, but uh, for me, I'd probably go Kane Foden, so an England sweep instead of a instead of a City one. But uh, you know, you couldn't be mad if if Diaz got it, especially considering how many points they're going to wind up winning the the title by. Uh, all right, we'll finish up this opening section by talking about the rest of our team season. So, how many points do you think your side will pick up from now to the end of the year, and do you think that'll be enough to reach whatever your club's goals and objectives were for the year? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, I'm not sure. I think that I think that we're gonna. I think we're gonna get another two wins from somewhere. I'm not probably one of them is against Sheffield United. I'd hope the other one will be next week against Burnley. Although I wouldn't. I'm not a hundred percent confident on it. We're currently on 29 points. I think that I think we'll get another nine points. So I think we're gonna get. Two wins and three draws, and four. Uh, two wins, three draws, and three defeats. So yeah, something like that. Um, maybe one less point. So seven. I think we'll get seven or eight points, which will take us on to thirty-six or thirty-seven points. Um, Fulham would need to get eleven points from there, from their last seven games, for for that not to be good enough. So. I think we'll get just an, uh, enough points to stay up, but I don't think there's going to be much in it, and I think that it's going to be it's going to be nerve wracking. I don't think we're going to go and saunter off to to safeties. I don't think we're going to go and win three or four games. Um, but I think that if we play like we did today, and we also have Wilson coming into the team, so some of the chances that Gail had and Jolinton had today that that perhaps they should have taken. If we have Callum Wilson in the same positions, he scores them. So he's going to instantly add. I can ins- I can definitely see him. If he plays the last eight matches, he'll definitely get at least three goals. Probably, I can see him four or five. It's well within his capability. So if he does come back and get three or four goals, um, it's probably going to be enough to see us stay up. But yeah, I, I think we're going to stumble over the line a little bit. Um, I think we're definitely going to need that Sheffield United game. Um, in the penultimate week week of the season to go our way 
effort for us to to get what we need and perhaps mm. push push the points gap to Fulham to to four points before the final day. I could could maybe see that happening. So um, yeah, I think that's probably how the season's going to end for us. Hopefully, um, that we're going to beat Sheffield United, take another four or five points, and then go into the final game with a four point gap above Fulham, and that would be lovely if we do get that but yeah I think we're going to get a couple more wins I think that especially the way we played today it, it, if you'd have asked me the same question before today I would have said we're not going to get many more points at all with Steve Bruce as manager but we saw a reaction I think the most important thing is that the players seem to be putting the effort in um, and playing well because the performance we got at Brighton was awful but um, yeah they, they did show some fight today and if they continue to play with that fight and we add a bit more quality into the team with St. Maxman and, and Wilson. I think we'll get seven or eight points and we'll stay up just about. But yeah, I'm not we're not gonna easily get there. I think we're gonna need that that win over Sheffield United. Yeah, looking at looking at Saints' fixtures, I think we're in a good position now. Definitely that win today, you know, all but seals our fate in in the Premier League. I don't think Newcastle will get thirty six points which run. I don't think Fulham get that either but you can never rest on that so I think one more win and, and that will definitely go I don't think they get 39 points that's for sure um, and and this is now you know after the win today our season focus will definitely switch to the FA Cup I know that's been a a big uh, a big focus for us this season and we'll, of course we've got all the way to the, the semi-finals I know we've got Leicester which is going to be a, a, a difficult game but if you ask me out of all the opponents that we could have faced in that semi-final I'd have, I would have taken Leicester to be honest and n- none of the games are going to be easy but looking solely on the Premier League games like I say one more win will for sure seal our fate to to stay up if if not and uh, yeah it's, 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 it's a weird sort of uh, you know, end to the season for Saints in, in terms of the, the the fixtures. We've got teams who are going to be fighting for for more than we are, which is always sometimes a little bit tricky because you know you could argue their desire, their their fight may be better, but you know for us we've got nothing to lose really in those games. So you know you, it depends which way you look at it. We've got games against West Brom up next, winnable game. I know they're coming back off a, of a fantastic result, but still a winnable game. Then we've got Spurs. We play Liverpool, Leicester, Fulham, Leeds, and West Ham. Apart from maybe Leeds, I think all of those teams that we'll be playing next have a lot have a lot to fight for. You look at Spurs, Leicester, and Liverpool. All going to be looking for for a place in the top four. Of course, Fulham. Um, We'll need points definitely, like I say, to take it to that final game because I do think Newcastle pick up more, pick up a few more points. Um, but before the last game of the season, and of course West Ham, sorry, I missed out. Who who could be fighting for a top four place come the final day of the season? So for us, I think we'll probably get. It sounds pessimistic, but the way our second half of the season gone between six and six and ten points, I think will be. I mean, I'm not particularly pleased with that considering we finished the end of last season so strongly and we. We broke. I think we broke 50 points. I'm sure we did. Um, so this year's been a little bit underwhelming. Um, if, if that's the case, used to say we, we can't finish the season like we started the season with players coming back. I saw, saw Rings today. I'm sure we'll touch on it a little bit later in terms of him coming back and proving has got something to prove in terms of trying to get into that Euro squad. Um, but like I said, our, our focus now really... Is on that is on that FA Cup semi final against Leicester, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we can provide a little bit of a an upset and get to the final. So yeah, difficult games for us. I think our safety's been sealed today. 
um, in the long run. But one more win, um, and hopefully I'll come against West Brom in the next game just to ease any potential nerves um, before we play sort of Fulham and, and Leeds. But like I say, they're winnable games as well. So I expect us to get, as I say, six, between six and ten points. Gotcha. Yeah, on Tottenham, uh, we have what in theory is a decent run-in. Uh, Manchester United, Everton, Southampton, Sheffield United, Leeds, Wolves, Aston Villa, Leicester. Not a lot of those clubs will be vying for much um, in the remainder, especially since we said Sheffield United are basically done. Leeds, Southampton, probably nowhere to go up and down. Maybe Everton, if they can put some stuff together, could be pushing for top four. Wolves are just kind of in the middle. Aston Villa have a really rough run-in, so I don't think they'll really be pushing for much in match week 37. And you'd imagine Leicester will have locked up a Champions League spot by by match week 38. So in theory, it's a pretty good run-in. But as we've seen with Tottenham, uh, not very consistent. So I just have us down for 11 points the rest of the year. You could argue 14, um, which puts you at either 61 or 64 points. And the lowest point tally for a team that secured fourth in the last 10 years was Manchester City, who got 66. So not looking good for the uh, squeaking into the top four. Obviously, this year has been very weird. Other teams continue to drop points. Um, I just think that Chelsea, uh, even despite the weirdness this weekend, their their overall trajectory is still pointing upwards. You guys already mentioned Liverpool have uh gotten some of their important players back and seem like they're kind of turning back into some semblance of the team that we saw uh last year and in recent memory so um i'm not particularly optimistic that 11 to 14 points will get it done and that's what i think will probably happen so you know if tottenham get their crap together all of a sudden and and go on a run like they had won six of eight um and that even included the the arsenal loss then maybe but i don't personally see it right now so uh I don't think Tottenham will be in the Champions League next season. All right, we will take a break, and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, and we are back. Jake, we'll start off with you. One of the reasons why I was just talking about Tottenham probably not making uh, top four is because of another late draw uh, at the hands of Newcastle. You Obviously did that to us earlier in the season as well. Also, uh, don't think this is correct, but Joel Linton has scored 300% of his goals against Tottenham in the Premier League. Um, but I was curious from you because this is arguably Newcastle's best performance of the season. Uh, almost four expected goals, which is the most for Newcastle since 2016. 17 shots is the most you've ever had under Steve Bruce. How much of it do you think was Newcastle being great and how much blame do you kind of put it at Tottenham, especially in the back line? Um, 
it was weird because we we named a very weird team. We played one centre back, we played two full backs at centre back, we played two wingers at wing back. So it was, we we had four players out of position in the defence, which which you know suggests it's not going to go too well. And maybe that's why we we had that that weird five minutes in the middle. Um, we also had, we had Matt Ritchie coming in for his first game since he had that bust up with Steve Bruce that seemed to have been dropped for. We had. Um, Dwight Gale come in to start alongside Joel Linton up front. It was it was a, a big change from what we've seen before. We, it was also strange to see uh, Federico Fernandez out of the squad, Ryan Fraser out of the squad after he scored twice for Scotland. This seemed very strange. Some of the selections that were going on. Um, so yeah, based on the team sheet, I thought we were going to get get well beaten, and it was going to be another just you know another performance in the long line that is slowly going to see Steve Bruce lose his job because he's not good if we talk from a year from now Steve Bruce is not going to be manager of Newcastle uh, regardless of which division we're in I'm sure of that but yeah there was an improvement today Um, I think we definitely we played five at the back before but when we played five at the back and and it was in that first game against Tottenham we just didn't get any men forward it was just complete defend your own box hope to nick something from a set piece or as eventually we did get a penalty and um, we were not deserving of that point uh, uh, away against Tottenham it was quite lucky um, but today I think I think we probably deserved all three points we were playing with such energy we were getting players up the pitch Joel Linton looked I wouldn't say he looked a 40 million pound player but he looked he looked a Premier League player and he hasn't done in many many matches since he signed for us. He looked a lot better and he was causing a lot of problems with his sort of physicality and his mobility, especially in wide areas. There seemed to be a game plan, which we sometimes lack under Steve Bruce. So there's definitely a desire to get the ball into wide areas quickly and getting the wing backs up and getting the strikers to run the channels. That definitely seems to be working and, and leading to a lot of chances being created. Um, yeah, there was an improvement. It definitely looked like that they'd been working on things in training, which which is another criticism that gets directed at Steve Bruce that they don't seem to get any better on a a week to week basis. But there definitely seemed to be a lot of improvements today, and I think the top Tottenham were were not great, but I think that I don't think that's the worst Tottenham performance I've seen in the last couple of months. I wouldn't say that was that was the absolute worst of Tottenham. I still think that Tottenham were creating chances, maybe because of how. The, the defence we selected sort yeah. of caused that, but I don't think I think that we were we were good we were good value for the point and probably more deserving of three than than Tottenham were. But we've had this in home matches recently. I think we beat Southampton. Um, we were clinging on with nine men at the end, but in the first half we definitely deserved to be in that position. Um, I think we were three one up at that point, and we deserved to be that. And then we had. We've had home matches against Crystal Palace that we were definitely the better team. A home match against Leeds, we lost both those, but we were the better team and created the better chances. Then against Wolves and Aston Villa, we were the better team in both those matches and created the better chances. But we just keep getting coming out with draws and losses. We're just not picking up wins, despite actually playing very well at home in the last couple of months. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good to get a point today, but again, definitely, definitely feels like a missed opportunity. I think if we replayed. If we replayed the matches against, um, to say we'll take the Southampton one as well because maybe if we replayed that we wouldn't win. But if we if we replayed the Southampton, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Wolves, Aston Villa, and Tottenham games again and had the same chances and everything went exactly the same, 
I think we come out with more points. So I think we we've been somewhat unfortunate today, and we've probably been somewhat unfortunate at home in the last five or six weeks. But yeah, there's it, it definitely a, a performance to build on. And if you add in Saint Maximan and, and Wilson, as I said earlier, adding those two players in just adds a lot more end product to our game, and I think that's going to be important during the run. And so yeah, there was definitely improvements. I think it's probably Tottenham weren't great, but I think Tottenham put out a performance they've consistently been putting out. It wasn't I don't think it was any worse or any better than the, the match against Aston Villa. It was just that Newcastle maybe had played better than Aston Villa did. So that's why we managed to get something out of it. I think. I think that, that Tottenham have been putting that level of performance in consistently for six to eight weeks. And sometimes the other team isn't very good. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they lose. Sometimes they don't. But I don't think Tottenham are any worse than they have been. But I think Newcastle are definitely a lot better than they have been recently. So I think that um, yeah, I think I'd probably give more credit to Newcastle than I would criticise Tottenham. But mm. we, we all know where Tottenham are at the moment. They need to change their manager. That's not going to change. We know where they are. But um, yeah, Newcastle probably were had improved whereas Tottenham just sort of stayed at their lowish level of uh, (laughs) (laughs) performance yeah no I I think that's right and obviously I have seen Newcastle a fair bit this season and that was uh, for me of the matches I've seen I think that was your best performance on the year um so uh unfortunate for me but congrats to you (laughs) um you did mention Steve Bruce there a couple of times now I was curious if you were surprised that he lasted the international break in and if you're even more surprised that there are reports that if you guys stay up, that he might actually be offered an extension. Uh, I don't believe the report he's going to be offered an extension. <laughs> that came from from a, a journalist that is vocally, um, he, he's vocally on the record as being a friend of Steve Bruce. So I, I think that that's oh one of those. That's probably where that story's <laughs> coming. So yeah, he, he he's put himself in the position of defending Steve Bruce and. He will forever be there, but yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that I think the Athletic reported that it's it's likely that he's not going to be manager, regardless of what division we're in. I think that if there are fans in the stadium, he wouldn't be manager. Um, but I think that the club are just hoping to see it through to the end of the season. I think the club believe that Wilson and say Maximan come back from injury will sort of improve results and will have enough to stay up. And I think they thought that throughout. I think the only thing that's going to make them change their decision as if they um is if we fall into the relegation zone which is why it would have been interesting tonight if we'd have fallen into the bottom three and uh after that performance because there would have been that trade off of there was an improvement but we were in the bottom three maybe we need to make that change but i think steve steve bruce isn't causing any problems for mike ashley i think that he doesn't criticize the owner i don't i think they get on quite well um and i think that the, the what the club have done to to support Steve Bruce is bringing Graham Jones on the coaching staff. I think that was their quote-unquote managerial change. That's what they did to try and fix things. They also took the view that they've been in this position twice before with Steve McLaren and uh, Joe Kinnear twice. They made managerial changes twice. We went down so that well, there's not much football intelligence in the, in the board at Newcastle, which I'm sure you'll both be surprised to hear, but they see it as very binary thinking. We've done this twice before. We've went down both times mm. maybe this time if we were stick with the manager it's a different result whereas maybe they should be thinking if we'd have changed them the managers earlier in both those seasons maybe we wouldn't have went down which is probably the way i'd see it but yeah we'll see how it goes i think this, the players the, the the run of two wins in 19 Premier league games looks really bad but like i said earlier i think a lot of those we deserve those points but there's definitely been a, an improvement in all I, th- I think we played well against 
um, Palace, Leeds, Villa and Wolves, as I said earlier. I thought we played well against Manchester United away. And we got beaten there. It, it just does seem that we're, we're playing well and not getting a result, which is, which is normally a sign of a relegation team. But I think they've just taken the view that the, the players coming back from injury would be enough to keep us up. And they don't want to make the managerial change because I don't think they've, they've got anybody lined up to come in. And it would just be giving the job to one of the coaches. So I'm not sure if that really fixes the problem. So um, I think they're just hoping to see it out to the end of the season and hoping for the best. And I think today is probably a big tick in the uh, box of maybe that will be the right decision. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I think every game we go without a win, the, the fans do grow more critical of Bruce. So he, if this performance had come, I don't know, three months ago, there'd probably be a lot more positivity. But where it's come in a, in a run where we've won two in 19, like that's not good enough. That's that's half the Premier League season and we've won two games. Like, doesn't matter who you are, that's, that's not good enough. So, a uh, perform. It, it's got past the point where we can, as fans, see these performances and take positives. We need to see results and we need to see the team go out and win a football match and then follow that up with another good performance and another result. We, we can't just keep looking at these games and think, oh, that's good. I mean, today it turned out to be good. We got a one-point goal swing, uh, one-point swing on Fulham. But that's a good, a good day for us considering we had the tougher fixture. But we need to follow that up with a win against Burnley. Otherwise, the performance today does mean relatively little. Gotcha. Well, uh, good luck on not having to deal with him next year. I know uh, you said that even if you change manager, even if you go down, that it might not fix some of the, the problems at the club, but hopefully it would at least be somewhat more enjoyable for you daily as a Newcastle fan. Um, Sam, coming to you now to talk about Southampton. Uh, the last time you and I spoke on this show, uh, things were going very well for Southampton. You'd just beaten Liverpool. We talked about how emotional... Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl was after that win and and how awesome that was to see. Uh, and then you won one match out of your next 11 in the league. Um, so not to be overly reductive, but uh, what happened? To be honest, I wish I had the answer for that question as as well, Kev. To be honest, I, I still look at that run of fixtures and that run of games and scratch my head at, uh, about it and some of the performances that were put in were just absolutely awful. Like, you know, when we spoke two two and a half three years ago and when, when ralph was appointed you know we we talked about what we could expect if we gave him time and we spoke about what style of play he would implement on on the team and at the start of the season we saw that and we saw it into fruition and we were getting the results the style of play was there we were playing effective good football um got the result against liverpool and then it just fell off the edge of the cliff a lot of a lot of problems that were were deep set and, and rooted in the club in terms of the performances that followed after Ronald Koeman's tenure crept, crept their way back in. And sometimes yet you have to question the manager. And the manager has made mistakes. Of course he has. Um, I think to, to blame the entirety on injuries would be, would, would be unfair. Um, although it's a, a factor, you know, everyone's this season seems to have had to, to deal with their fair share of injuries. Um, the key moment or the key period, I think, where we let ourselves down was in January. The club decided to move on players who, you know, they were on the fringes of the squad. They weren't first team players, but they were depth. You look at someone like Jan Valery, for example, okay, 
he was fantastic when Ralph first came in. He was when we were playing a three at the back, and and Valerie's defensive duties weren't 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 what he was in there for. Is provide that that link down the right hand side as a wing back, and and when we shifted to a back four, it was apparent that Valerie didn't have the skill set to perform that role to a high high degree of standard. The, the the worrying thing for us as fans was the fact that we got rid of Valerie on loan. And we didn't bring anyone in to, to replace him. And Carl Walker-Peters, although has been fantastic this season, he is so instrumental to what we do in terms of the balance of the pitch and for tactical reasons. When he had his, a few injury problems, that was the key area for me that let us down. We had to shift Jan Bednarek, who's not a right back. He's a predominant centre-back. He doesn't have the qualities or the, the skill set to perform that role. I think we saw it and 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 the same with Jack Stevens, again, a centre back who who could fill in at right back if you needed him to, but not for a longer period of time. And I think we saw it in the game against Newcastle, Stevens was put at right back and he got ran absolutely ragged. We haven't seen him there since. And and the question mark for me really was why we didn't choose to bring someone in in that, that period, even on loan. We were in for Maitland Niles. He chose to go to West Brom because he didn't want to play right back. That's fair enough. That's that's where he wants to play in, in the future of his career. And then we brought in Minamino, who, you know, it, it was a good signing. If the opportunity is there, you need to bring in quality players. And he's a quality player, but it was an area of melt and stunk of desperation at, late in that window because we couldn't get over the line what we needed. Um, and the problem is with us at the moment is you know, as I said, the injuries, but once you pick up that losing habit, I think it's sometimes hard to shake that. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to go into decisions and refereeing performances because I don't think that's really the root of, of you know, deep set problems. But the, the thing for Southampton was we were still some of the players. I mean, a lot of the players, and this isn't Ralph's fault, this isn't even the ball's fault, it's down at ownership level. You can even root the problems up there because we don't have investment. It's, it's very similar to a situation at Newcastle where we have to sell top players to buy. That's been very apparent and, and the club's been up for sale for a few years now, or a couple of years now. Um, and and that's where we, we lack in that quality. So, yeah, the problems that have been apparent is because of lack of squad depth um and i think the, i think overall really in terms of maybe why the season had a lack of quality is because of the games you know most weeks it felt like a bit like in the fl season with you know games midweek coming thick and fast and sometimes i think the way in which how thin our squad is and the way in which ralph wants to implement this game of football you need that you need that rest and recuperation and you need that time off and saints hadn't really had it nor had anyone um but it's good now to see that that we've sort of coming back into our own. We've got some some good results under our belt, and the win today, the way in which we won today, will go a long way for for the rest of our season. Yeah, well, hopefully you don't have to go through uh, <laughs> that kind of thing again of mm-hmm. going through such a barren spell. Um, it looked like you might continue that really bad luck, uh, obviously with the start against Burnley going two 0 down early. Um, I'm not going to mention the score line that shall not be named, um, but we have seen Southampton when in a situation like that going down early, kind of uh, not really showing the fight to get back into matches like that. Instead, today you come back and you win three two. How impressed were you with, with that come from behind win, especially given some of the uh, not great performances or, or efforts when when down in the past? Yeah, I was, I was absolutely delighted to, you know, like everyone would be if your team's 2-0 down and you, you managed to turn it around. I think this is the first time we've turned around that 
a two goal deficit to to get three points since Ronald Koeman did it against Liverpool two 0 down, and that was back in 2016. So a long time coming. But like you say, you know, in that barren spell, there were times where I think even you could say the Newcastle defeat. You know, they go that they went down to nine men, and we were losing. We couldn't turn it around. Again, against Everton away, they scored very early, 1-0, and that was it. You know, they didn't have to do much else to get three points. So it was great to see that today, that we had that fight and that determination to turn it around. You know, Burnley are very, very efficient and good at what they do. That's not a criticism of them at all. You know, you don't have longevity in the Premier League without, you know, exploiting your your strengths. So when you see yourself go 2-0 down against Burnley, you sometimes worry because they're very good at sitting in and 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 being very defensively solid, um, which has been a you know a problem for Saints. They haven't been able to unlock defensives who've been able to apply low block. It was great. And it was great to see players back to sort of what we'd expected. I know Armstrong, he's been fantastic all season. But Ingsy looked back to his best today. Walcott back from, from injury, showed how much we actually miss Walcott. He was one of those players, and I think this has sort of been... You know, consistent throughout his entirety of his career you never really see what he brings until he's gone and I think that was you know through the spell of him being injured has been a case of that um but showed our quality Nathan Redmond actually looked fantastic and he's a very much a confidence player did very well in the cup quarterfinal against Bournemouth and scored a fantastic goal but that's what I like 2-0 down early on we never stopped playing the way that we've been uh, used to the early stages of the season and they managed to get the result. Um, it sounds slightly strange, but I think when you come back 2-2 at half-time, I, I never had a doubt that we were actually going and win the game of football. The difference is today, and I think today's result is indicative of fans not being there. You know, the run we've been on, obviously dissatisfaction creeps in find yourself 2-0 down inside 25 minutes at home to Burnley. You know, all due respect to Burnley, that's not great. Um, and, if, you know, that dis- dissatisfaction may have crept in with the fans and it, the negativity may have may have gone onto the pitch. But, you know, it was important to get that win. It's our first home win since that Liverpool game. Um, so it was good to get, to get, to get that in. And, uh, you know, the quality we're seeing now of those individuals coming together is... Is, uh, is is good and hopefully we can get another win against West Brom before the, the semi-final. I do want to say though, again, with all due respect to Burnley, had that performance been against Leicester in the Cup semi-final, it probably, you know, in the early stages, it probably would have been more than two. And you can't really find yourself giving a team like Leicester or a team like even Spurs, a team like Liverpool, those fighting for the top four, you can't give them that that easy of a ride otherwise you're going to find yourselves in positions that we've already found ourselves in again I don't want to mention those results but yeah today it's a huge relief more than anything to get that win from that position yeah and like you mentioned earlier it basically removes you from even the slightest doubt of of a relegation or anything like that um Mm. because as we saw you know Burnley would have switched up to where you are now you would have stayed down there and Instead, you come from behind and you basically ensure your safety as well as, you know, putting in a, a good performance after that that rough start. Um, we will now head into Player Watch, where I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, who your club's player of the year will be. Obviously, we discussed the league one earlier in the show. Yeah, it's a tough one for Newcastle. Um, there's not been anybody that's been that great, which is probably why we're in 17th position. But um, 
probably it's probably got to be Callum Wilson. I think he's had the biggest impact. Um, his goals, especially in the first half of the season, got us a lot of the wins and a lot of the points that we now have. Um, you can maybe maybe make a case for Saint Maximan, although I don't think he's been fit enough. Um, but when he does play, so so devastating and so good to watch that he, he does catch the eye and things he does stick in the memory, which is maybe why I brought him into this discussion, though he's had a massive COVID absence and a long injury as well. So he's probably not played enough games. But um, yeah, those two are just so important for Newcastle. So they're definitely the, the best two players and they, they've performed the best this season, which is why when they went went, went injured, they were, it was such a big story because they're so important. But yeah, Kyle Wilson for me. Um, and hopefully he scores a few more goals um, when he comes back and helps us uh, stay up because I'd like to see a lot more of him in a Newcastle shirt and I worry if we go down, he's probably going to want to stay at this level. So, yeah, I'd say he's our, our player of the season, definitely. From a Southampton point of view, um, it's, a, it's a toss-up, really. I think James Will-Prowse hasn't missed a game all season um, and he's been one of our better performances uh, throughout the entire campaign. I think Kyle Walker-Peters will definitely get a shout um, alongside Yannick Vestergaard. But it's very strange, I think, you know, to say, you know, to, to, to look what Jay said, it's been, for us, even more of a strange season because we started so well and it's just petered off. And you're almost looking at the beginning of the season to see who your player of the season was, you know. And uh, for me, Walker-Peters has been our best player of the season. Uh, if it was down to me, I'd probably give it to him. Uh, he's been our best right back since we've returned to this level and we've been up here for, for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, he, I think he's better than Nathaniel Klein was for us. And that's a big shout with Klein played in some fantastic teams. But I think Walker-Peters, for me, has been been fantastic in terms of defensively and going forward and, and what he brings to the team. James Will-Prowse, very much on the same wavelength. I said it could go either way between those two. Prousey is really coming to his own. And this is the sort of thing, you know, I think people for, seem to forget with Hazen Hill since we've come into this sort of bad run of form, how much he's improved players. He's turned Prousey into a a, a a more polished, more rounded footballer. You know, he was before he, before Ralph turned up at the club, people were wondering about Prousey's future. There was question marks over whether he was going to stay and he's come in and, and proved to be a fantastic captain for us. Um, and like I say, I think he's the best dead ball specialist, no doubt in the league, potentially even in the world. You know, I, I genuinely believe that. Vestergaard has been great. Like I said, definitely most improved, probably in, throughout my entire lifetime watching Saints. I don't think I've seen a player improve as much as Vestergaard, you know, la even last season, back end of last season after Project Restart. He didn't look up to this level. He looked slow. His positioning looked, you know, left a lot to be desired. You know, a few months later, he, he's the most important defender at the club um, in terms of centre-backs anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think if if I was drawn to pick one, Walker-Peters just edges it for me, but Will Prowse would be, uh, would be definitely up there as well. Gotcha. Uh, it's Harry Kane. Um, <laughs> we'll wrap up with match previews. Um, you've mentioned already several times here, Jake, but this upcoming match against Burnley could really be a season definer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's hugely important we got St. Maximan back for it, and hopefully Wilson too, although he didn't play a part today. He's been training, so I think there's probably he'll probably play a part next week. Um, in the in the 
reverse fixture. Um, it was sort. Of, we, I think uh, we won the game three one, and it was quite a convincing win for us. Saint Maximal was really good on that day, and he's the type of player that that just suits Burnley really well in a matchup. I think if you if you look throughout the last three or four years, Burnley are so good defensively, so organised, but the type of player they can't deal with is one that's direct and can beat an opposition defender, beat two opposition defenders in great space because they're so regimented in their shape that a player like that does cause a lot of problems, which is why he's so important for this game. He, he got, I think he got two assists in the, in the or it might have been a goal and assist, I can't remember. He definitely had a big part to play in the, the win against him previously. Um, I think that him being back is going to be so important. If he plays... If he plays well, I think we'll win the game. Um, it, it, and yeah, I think that that's the important thing. Burnley have been conceding a lot of goals, but they're obviously a threat. Um, they, Chris Wood seems to be coming into form at just the right time for them. Um, Dwight McNeil's been playing well, um, but yeah, I just think they're a little bit leaky at the moment. And if if we play like we did today, if we concede a couple of chances, but also create as much as we did, or at least create enough. I think with St. Maximan and Wilson on the pitch, we'll we'll get the three points. Um, I also think it's a bigger game for us than it is for Burnley. So um, yeah, we. I think the I think we're due a win. We've we've played well in a lot of games, but we haven't won. And I think that maybe it's time for us not to play so well, but get the three points. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for a Newcastle win. Um, and I think that St. Maximan is the key for it. I think if he plays well, we'll win. If he doesn't play well or he misses out for any reason or gets injured again um maybe we will we won't win but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm confident with him and the team that we will beat burnley and hopefully that'll be the start of a a less stressful end of the season for me yeah definitely uh continue to wish you without lack of stress uh and then say i'm coming to you uh you're gonna be uh facing west brom uh, we kind of ruled them out as really put to, uh, a club that really has potential to stay up this year. But are you still uh, thinking this could be a tricky one? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely going to be a tricky one. Um, you know, stereotypically, going away to a Sam Allardyce side is never never an easy task in the Premier League. Um, from a Southampton point of view, had we not won today, it would have been a huge game. The fact we did get the three points today means I wouldn't be, personally, I wouldn't be begrudging of Ralph if he wanted to rest players, switch it up for the semi-final two weeks today. Um, you know, West Brom, they're, they're such a hit-and-miss side. It's very strange, West Brom, like I alluded to earlier. They've been a very strange side since Adelaide has come in. They've shown glimpses of a side that could stay up, and then they've also shown glimpses of a side that have no chance of staying up. So, like I said, uh, from a standpoint point of view, it's a, it's a game that we should look to win, definitely, but with the semi-final less than a week away from it, the semi-final is the biggest game of our season, remaining games of the season for sure. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ralph maybe switch it up a little bit, uh, bring in some players in from the cold, rest a few players um, who he will eye uh, for the semi-final, just for injury point of view. But you could also look at it, you know, there's a chance there for players to prove that they should be playing in that semi-final. You know, there's a, for the first time in a few months, we've got, players on the bench who have had to play a lot of games and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see like Jennifer come in um, and uh, who's on the bench today so in terms of from Southampton point of view again I just think you know our, our fate's really been sealed today in terms of staying up it's not a game that we'll 
it's not a must-win game as today's game probably was. Um, and and with the semi-final, like I said, less than a week away from it, we'll have to have one on that for sure. Um, as I said, it's not going to be an easy game. They're going to be really buoyed by the victory they had over Chelsea, which gives them a very slim chance of staying up. Um, and of course, you've got to take those uh, those chances to stay up if you're in West Brom's position. So it's going to be a difficult game for whoever plays in it. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't be uh, annoyed to see star players rested for the semi-final. Gotcha. And then uh, for Tottenham, we're going to face Manchester United. This is kind of our last air quotes big test before Leicester on the final day. Um, Manchester United, much like Tottenham of late, have been kind of up and down uh, under Solskjaer. So you really know what could what could happen on the day. Uh, my expectation is that it won't be six one though. <laughs> I feel like that's that's pretty safe to say. If it's a loss, I think that basically is the final nail in the top four coffin. If we somehow squeak a win, then that door's open a bit, but we'd have to show way more consistency because we've shown we can get big results. Obviously, the big win against City, the big win against Manchester United, both early in the season. Now it's just. Can we win the majority of the remaining ones to give ourselves a chance? But uh, as for Manchester United, that that match, um, now that we're out of Europe, we can basically focus on the Premier League except uh, the Southampton match, funnily enough, Sam, uh, where we're going to have a cup final that weekend right after that match. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Manchester United 1-0 against Tottenham, which would be very irritating, but kind of feels like the, the direction we're heading at the moment. Uh, that'll do it for us today, though. So if you'd like to tell the folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you can get me on Twitter, at Jake with Twins, and any writing I do, I'll post through there. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Kev. It's been uh, great to be back. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Sam E. Cox. And if you're a Brighton & Hove Albion fan listening to this, uh, I write regularly for the Brighton & Hove Independent, so you can catch my work on there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I've been your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable on basically all of the podcast sites as well as... Uh, obviously on Twitter. But yeah, again, thanks to you two for coming on and joining me today. Uh, And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 